Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 100 of Storyteller Conclaves, a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. Do we bother asking how we are, Rob? Not or today. Do we just, We're just, just going to move on. <laughs> hard pass on that one. Wow. It's been a rough day, rough week for, yeah. for all of us. Yeah, the last, the last seven days have been intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. But we have our Wednesday therapy session where That's we right. do uh, record it and send it out to all of our listeners. Because we have a microphone and you don't. <laughs> we have a microphone you don't. Um, as, uh, we also want to, uh, on, on day of recording, I want to give a very uh, happy transgender day of visibility yes. uh, to uh, to all of our listeners. Um, my name is Sarah. I am a transgender woman and I am here to help you run a good story, a good tabletop role-playing game. And what a fine job you do. Awesome. Um... So it's episode one hundred, sir. Episode one hundred. We've been doing this a hundred times. A hundred times now. Yeah, we're, we're like in the big leagues now. We've hit triple digits. Uh, no, before we get into like the <clears throat> the whole topic that we actually kind of picked today, and I say kind of picked because it was like we weren't going to do an unscripted topic, and then we realized we probably should have questions and things to answer. <laughs> it's been a hundred episodes. Yeah. Does it feel different? I mean, it it feels because um... honestly, I think we like we opened this. We were pretty comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we were we were very comfortable from the start. Um, I remember like back when we were at Podcast Detroit, mm-hmm. right? Um, even uh, our sound engineer Kate was yeah. saying like we, you know, we were you know top top five percent of the podcasts that she she would do sound engineering for just simply because we showed up with a top with a topic. <laughs> We knew and with we like an now. outline and like yeah. we were prepared and we, you know, we were a legitimate show. Yeah. 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 That was it. We had, we, instead we of just had... people showing up and just chatting into microphones for however long about then... random topics mm-hmm. and possibly drinking and doing other things. She yeah. was having to fill the time with other stuff at times. Yeah. Which was yeah. kind of scary, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think, I think we, we, we started off kind of with a plan. Obviously we started mm-hmm. off a little shaky cause you know, oh, you, without you, without you, you always do whenever you're starting a new thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I don't know that it feels that different. I mean, mm-hmm. every episode with you has felt like just coming in and having a, a conversation. You know? I agree. There have been some times where we've definitely felt like we were teaching. Yeah. And those are definitely different episodes. Well, right, 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 right. But, um, r- regardless of the format, um, it's never felt like it wasn't, um, just spending time with my friend. Yeah. And just talking about gaming, even, even back, when it, back we, to having tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when it, even when it was when it was like a, t- a teaching thing, like mm-hmm. here we're we're gonna go through world building one hundred and one with you right. guys, you know, like even even those conversations were like, hey Rob, you know, what's your experience with this? Mm-hmm. And it it still felt very natural. So, yeah. um, and I, I definitely think in the last hundred episodes, I've learned stuff. I, I've just from the <clears> research alone and digging through things. We were always like, really, this is a thing. Like, oh yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think we'll eventually have to do a, a wrap episode where we're, the things we learned from the last, you know, two hundred episodes of. Well, of honestly, what's we, new. I yeah. mean, we we could do that this time. I mean, we we're, we're talking about a little bit. Um, our, our our official topic today yes. is what we learned about digital gaming, which I think I've learned a lot over this last. year. I learned but, a lot about myself too. But honestly, like if you wanted to, we could get a little bit into the retrospect of like what we've learned, you know, just as storytellers for the last. Yeah, I mean, episodes. we could definitely look over some of the topics because because I think I would need that as a refresher even at this point but i know for as far as digital gaming is concerned i wish i would have had a little bit more time to to think about this because it it didn't hit me until probably midway through my last phone call with work which went way too long yep yeah and i was just like you were working right up until like 6 p.m tonight yeah 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 yeah. it's not it's not often when you show up here for the the podcast and i'm still working and concerned that I'm not going to be done, and I'll still be sitting in that chair over there working while you're on the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Believe me, it would still happen. The show would still happen. <laughs> the show must go on. Oh, it must go on. We can't, we, we can't let this down. So, But let, let's start with a digital discussion, because I, I think there was some good stuff that we learned this year, and I think it's good information to give out to people. So if you're just tuning into the recording of this podcast, we are finally going to get to the topic on what we learned <laughs> doing digital during COVID. Really? Do you remember? Do you remember when uh, when 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 the lockdown orders start first coming out? It was in, like it that? was March. It was March. I remember yeah. it was March. I remember, um, I remember one some of the first discussions with with our friends who we game with and mm-hmm. saying like, "Crap, are we not going to get together?" Yeah. 
And I think pretty short order, everybody was just like, yeah, let's not do that. And they were like, okay, well, what the hell are we going to do? And right. we scrambled for a, for anything because neither of us wanted to use Roll20 to start with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I looked at it. I honestly took a really hard mm-hmm. look at Roll20 and I was like, no, I, this isn't going to fulfill my needs. Yeah, I, uh, I've i looked at Roll20 before and, um, I mean, at least personally, I look at I'm, I'm sure it works for other people, and they, it, Roll20 oh, has a, a lot of great things to offer, so I, I, I by no means mean this criticism to be a universal criticism that Roll20 sucks or anything like that. Agreed. But I 100% like, agree with that. As statement. far as how we run our games, um, I, I don't I don't think Roll20 would have met our needs. And I, I, the other thing is, is that I don't think I had the time to learn something that needed that much learning. Yeah. And yeah. it really does. There's there's a lot of idiosyncrasies about Roll20. I mean, I'm not going to akin it to learning Linux um, or anything like that. But there well, are no. some, yeah, but, it, but it, there are some architectural design pieces to it that if you don't understand it or you don't have someone to show you and walk you through it, mm-hmm. it's kind of a challenge. Yeah, you kind of have to like almost code your character sheets in a way to yeah. like get everything in there. You can't just simply bring up, you know, D and D Beyond hit an import Which, button you know straight up D beyond did a great job this year oh, on yeah. supporting and getting features out and really making sure that the community had what they needed i mean i'm not trying to be a super fanboy of D beyond by any means they've got lots of things that they can continue to work on besides digital dice but mm-hmm. i do think that that was kind of a neat thing they threw together yeah absolutely absolutely and i'm not going to say it was thrown together it was clearly planned but their outputting and timing on that was pretty decent yeah yeah um could they have come up with some virtual tabletops of their own they could have but they didn't they they exposed the ones that were doing great job and supported them. And and I think that's that's and that's perfectly fine. Like I don't I don't need D and D Beyond to come up with a a virtual tabletop. For no, no, uh, no. But I did like the fact that they took the resources that they did have, which were the source books, all of the digital art, you know, systems that they had that they were preparing for for something close to this, and then used that as an advantage to say, hey, you can make your best character sheets here. Let's do it this way. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're running a game. You just drop this amount of money and you can drop on your books and then everyone can play with your books. That that was a huge benefit right there. And I think that really shifted my mind frame on what we could do with D&D. Right, 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 right. And gave us that option. Now, I think the, the, the first thing that we, we collectively tried as a group um, on, I believe, Sean's um, suggestion was a uh, uh, tabletop simulator. Yeah, we bought licenses for that. Oh, my God. Well, okay. I know that... I'm not going to say it was a bad idea. <clears throat> I think it was a great start point, and it had some neat stuff in it. It it had a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. I just think that it was. Um, it felt like we're fighting it too much yeah. to be able to set anything up, and then especially like. Um, so you you and I both love like having miniatures and terrain, and, terrain and, and stuff yeah. like that out there, and I think the 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 first thing that really enticed us about tabletop simulator was the idea that you could set up essentially a virtual terrain mm-hmm. thing on there um and there were a bunch of assets packs you yeah. could you could download things into um it's it, again a lot of potential like mm-hmm. if everything works the main problem we had was i mean you went through great lengths to build a multi-tiered like tower map yeah. for us all in three dimensions and, and then... i thought it would look great and it it just didn't show up, and that's it. Sucked. Yeah, it it was crushing. You're like, look, look what it looks like on my screen, and we're like, oh, holy cow, Rob. Yeah, and then I looked at what it looked like on Erica's. I think it was who was who was the one who was having the most problems with it. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't see anything. She's like, no, I can't see anything. And I'm like, oh crap. I, I think I saw two of the six yeah tower pieces. So yeah, yeah. It sucked. And uh, and that kind of stuff is crushing. Like it is. If you, if it is. If the the basic thing that you spend hours working on, I mean, it's no different than if you built a huge train piece and as you're walking up to your friend's house, you literally trip and crush the thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. It's the same feeling. It's Absolutely. like now you have nothing to show for and it. You pour your heart and soul into it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I th- I think for for what it was, it was it was neat, but it was a fun experiment that that failed ultimately. In the end, you know, in the uh, end, I may return to it for certain aspects, but I don't think for uh, for using it as a virtual de- virtual gaming interface. I don't think I could. I think I think I could use it for something like a projected one or or like a table where I wanted to have effects like a full 3d effect going on. OK. okay. And putting minis on top of it or something sure, like that. Sure. I might use it for something like that. Yeah. You know. Um, I definitely think there are some 
neat coding opportunities there for doing some neat stuff. Oh yeah, if if I if I knew more about like 3D modeling and, and programming and stuff like that, I would definitely be all over that. But that's um, not this podcast. <laughs> it, well, first off, it's not this podcast, but also, um, I mean, it, it's already enough um, enough overhead mm-hmm. uh, just writing your game. Yeah. And then trying to come up with assets and import them all into tabletop simulator, even when there were other already already exist, and just getting that setup working, just made out of pieces that are, that are already there. Yeah, I mean, let it's, alone it's trying a production. to code or model. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why Critical Role has a production staff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I assure you that Matt Mercer does not do all of the work himself. This is uh, why it also takes me months to get anybody's minis painted. You Correct. Know? So, I mean, that's just solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Matt had to literally draw all of the characters that come up in the character intros and put together all of the music that he needed individually by himself, the the show would be very different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I have to hand it to some of the people who do that on the YouTube channels who actually produce some amazing content. Oh, yeah. You know, for their shows week after week. And you know it's not a production team. Mm-hmm. These people are just doing this at their tables and, you know, using things like World Anvil and some of the other pieces to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. You have to you have to hand it to those people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They make it look easy. They do. Um, but, yeah, we had, we had the tabletop simulator. Um, I think we quickly both shifted to Foundry right after that. Uh, I don't know if it was quick. Um, I mean, it, I will say relatively. You you found Foundry before I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you you mentioned it to me, and then you were like, oh, "I just I just don't have time to to get it working and learn it and stuff like that." And it's just, I think you you had a poor initial experience with it. Yeah, my my first impact with it was like, uh, I don't know if I can jump on this right now, and especially at the time when it happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I I think I saw a Reddit post mm-hmm. all about Foundry, and it showed in very simple, quick, accessible terms what it was capable of. And I think I remember messaging you going, is this is this the thing you were talking mm-hmm. about? Because I just bought it. Yeah, you straight up bought it. I, yeah. st- I straight up literally just bought this thing. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the one I have. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, let me learn it, and then I can just teach it to you. <laughs> that way you don't have to try to read the stereo instructions, you know, for, for the manual and whatnot. And I can, I can show you all the relevant parts and whatnot. And- um, just, just to come back, uh, Knox, we're actually going to – I'm going to circle back to World Anvil and talk about that in a little bit. But – it was it's in with our other tools and stuff mm-hmm. we found so so hang in there um but yeah foundry i think what did it for me was you found those like how to videos that were created yeah yeah and i i don't remember when those were created but they changed everything they were a huge game changer oh i i i live and breathe off of youtube tutorials mhm of just about everything. Yeah. Um. Just sh- show me how to do it. Just show me how to do it, and I'll yeah. and I'll do it. That's fine. Yeah. And then I just took the extra step of like, okay, I'm if I'm running this locally, I'm going to do it my way, and I ended up putting it on my uh, Linux server that I've got. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. which makes a huge difference. I am not a Linux head, but I figured that crap out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I I don't know anything about that, but with Sean actually, um, yeah, started setting up uh, like local domains for us, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he set up a uh, pointer domains for it because I mean both of our computers are on yep. our home network. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. depending on which one of us is running our respective games, his Dragon Heist game or my uh, Elder Scrolls Tamriel game, yep, uh, he set up domains that pointed to either one, so you could log into them, which is wonderful. Uh, that kind of stuff great. is cool. I yeah. mean, it's not necessary, but like for you guys, because but you have super separate... cool. Yes, yeah, still, yeah. still really nice, really still nice, still really cool. Um, I would have to say that I don't think I'm done by any means learning foundry even after all the time that we spent on oh no no no, i constantly have to ask you questions while i'm running my game Mm -hmm. because i've made a mistake or something i've missed and i think that's the procedural stuff is you know they show you how to do things in those tutorials but i almost feel like we need to or there needs to be a a stopgap in between of okay you're getting ready to run your game what are the things you need to remember to have done before game day yeah, game game prep is um, it's in kind of an interesting thing for for Foundry. But I think it's a, a more of an interesting thing for digital games in general. Mm-hmm. Just like like when we have a tabletop game, it's easy for me to say I'm changing up this encounter. I'm just going to grab my DM, my you know monster guide, flip a couple pages, and be like, okay, this is what's coming out. It's true. It's true. Whereas with Foundry, if I want another monster, I've got to pause what's going on in the game, take a five-minute break, jump over to D&D Beyond, import something, maybe, if it's yeah. not working. Ho- hope the plugin works. Hope the plugin's working, yeah. import everything, build a token for it, and drop it in the game. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that 
that takes effort. And I know Foundry well enough to know that it takes that effort. But that doesn't mean that I that somebody who was unprepared stepping into this is going to go, I need to do what? Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other level that you don't think about when you're not at the table. Yeah. I can just grab a mini and throw it on the table and my friends are fine with that penny being an ogre. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, whereas if I'm in a, a digital game, that penny better be an ogre so that they know it's an ogre. Because mm-hmm. there, that mind's eye theater breaks down a little bit in conversation. Yeah. Point. Yeah, a little bit. So... I, I will definitely say there is a, a prep con to doing digital gaming. Yeah, it's it's I don't know if it's a con, but it's definitely different. Like you've you've gotta be more on your toes about it. Um and, and really kind of cover your angles first off. And it's not nearly as, like you said, as flexible. We're like, mm-hmm. I can't just grab the monster manual and, and, and pull something in, you know? No, I'm not saying that you couldn't just import a bunch of stuff into Foundry and have tokens ready and do massive pre-prep so that you can just grab whatever you need. That's fine. You can do that. That's actually what I ended up doing. That was yeah. my solution to that whole problem was uh, just doing some pre-planning and some brainstorming of like, okay, what are all the things that you guys could possibly encounter in this chapter? Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of creating a small library of monsters. Mm-hmm. So this last particular chapter, you were going up against a band of necromancers. Right. So I had big and small necromancers. Mm-hmm. I had zombies, mm-hmm. skeletons, mm-hmm. exploding zombies that I cut that I custom built. Um, some summoned creatures like flame matronox. Right. Um, but also I knew that some of you were going to be able to summon creatures as well. So I had to have those on deck, which I I had to figure out for last game, which I think worked out. Okay. I still have to work on those a little bit, Yeah, yeah. but I think it was better than what happened before and finding the little, the tweaks and stuff made a huge difference like tokenizer and things like that, Mm -hmm. that were good plugins. Yeah. Um, but also prepping music is a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially if it's playing inside the tool that you're using. That you're not trying to, like, oh, God, mix it yeah. over your audio channels? Getting, getting all my music imported, like, so normally what I do is I sit here with, I've got my tablet, same tablet mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting right in front of me yep. right now. Yep. Um, I run my D&D games off this one where we play live, and uh, so I literally just keep, um, I, well, it was Google Play Music, I guess it's all YouTube music now. And I've got a little Bluetooth speaker that I hook up to this. Yeah, when and, you're when we're sitting at a table, it's perfect. Yeah, so I can just change. And I've, I've got a, a handful of playlists for fight music, mm-hmm. for peaceful music, creepy Ditto. music, yep. things like that. Um, so to get those all imported into Foundry, I actually had there's a, there's a website that allows you to download YouTube content as MP3s or videos. Right. And... I actually went through Not that all we're of... advocating that you should download anything from YouTube without the official okay of the creator. Because so that would be bad. Most of my stuff is free. Yeah. Well, is, I mean, is, is, is royalty free. That's the key. Uh, so uh, I actually had to go through this, this particular thing and one by one put the URLs of these songs in there. Well, yeah. And you can sometimes find them on royalty free sites, but sometimes you're not going to find the full length version yeah. of it, or you're not going to find. Which is really cool. Some of the people who chain things together mm-hmm. and make this kind of neat hour-long segment. Yeah. The other thing is, some of those tools do not let you pull an hour. Yeah. So there's a lot of crafting that has to go in behind the scenes to make this work. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can just, if it's just a YouTube speaker, I can just hit repeat. Oh, it's too loud. Tap, tap. Yep. You know, when this player has it's too loud in their headset versus that player who has it in their headset. Or maybe they don't want to hear the audio at all because it's bothering them too much, you know, all of that comes into play. Well, but, but that's actually, that's actually the really good, that's one of the good advantages. It is an advantage of Foundry. Is because all of that volume control is on the player's side. That's true. You know, if, uh, like in particular, one of our players has audio processing, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 issues. Um, yes. Uh, they were, uh, they were a hearing aid and oftentimes, um, have told us that the background music is overpowering, like what we're saying and what's going on. They have trouble, they have trouble processing all that. Uh, so they, they just turn their own volume slider down and all of a sudden it becomes perfectly manageable and I can have that music on full blast. It doesn't matter. They've managed their own, uh, their own audio and everybody else gets it wherever they want, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely something that I've really liked about the move to digital. Yeah. I mean... Um, I like that as a storyteller, I will say a definite pro of, of going to the digital stuff is I can have bigger screens in front of me with all my content. Mm-hmm. I can literally have 
uh, all of my notes up and the enemy sheets and everything else and rolling dice and everything else so that it's really easy for me to see and be comfortable reading through it and taking my time to, to highlight things or make notes or whatever in a much larger field. Because for me, sitting behind the shield, I've got a lot of pieces that I keep track of. And I wanted to, uh, I always want to make sure that I have the notes that I need ready for myself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's scattered between multiple things. And I think between Foundry and what I use, which is Google Drive, it's a great way to keep those data together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't gone so far as to use something like um, uh, what I was going to other uh, um, Anvil. Mm-hmm. Um, World Anvil. World Anvil, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a pretty cool tool. I've started to look into it, mm-hmm. but I haven't gone in depth with it, but it is impressive. Yeah, World Anvil is one of those ones that I, I, I looked at, and um, for the for the features that I would want for it, um, they were going to want a monthly subscription. Correct. And uh, I, I was not ready to make that commitment, but I did play around with it a little bit, and I see its I, I kind of see its potential. I just wasn't sure that it was it was a tool that I personally would use, but it looks super cool. I would say if you have an invested group who is doing a, a lengthy campaign mm-hmm. where you may be doing it digitally at times or you may be doing it in person at times, I think World Anvil is a great tool for that. It's a great asset. And honestly, for the monthly cost of what it is, I could see that being a huge benefit. For a, for a storyteller and for players. Mm-hmm. Like, being able to link everything and have a world map and be able to move through it and add things to it and keep all your content in in one place. Oh, yeah. That's so fantastic. You, you like, what, what, so you can, you can put maps into it, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you click on – you can link, like, lore articles and stuff like that Correct. to areas on your map. So you yep. can actually click physically on, like, the town of Anvil. Yep. In Cyrodiil, and like, mm-hmm. okay, well, here is the town of Anvil. Here's a map of it. Here's mm-hmm. all the major NPCs. Here's mm-hmm. what the commerce and trade is. You know, here's the here's a building. That yeah, you, that you have access. The to. The Temple of Debella, yep. the Mages Guild, the, the you yep. know the the Folksol, the, the the bar yep. that you guys go to. You know, oh yeah, yeah, it's all there. Plus, you have interlinking. I mean, it's it's everything that's great about wiki sites mm-hmm. and a a tabletop simulator in in kind all of in one. one. All, yeah. yeah. Which is fantastic. I think things like that are great because it simplifies mixing those medias where you normally would have to create a wiki site kind of a piece as well as have your tabletop foundry mm-hmm. and then try and figure out how to do all the linkage. It takes care of that for you. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think if you're, a, if you're a major campaigner and you've got a good group and you're getting started up, it's not a bad thing to look into. Yeah, definitely look into it. Definitely look into it. I can't, I, yeah. I, 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 like if I was starting another... <laughs> Let me rephrase this. When I start another 7C campaign, because it will happen, I probably will kick into World Anvil. Yeah. 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 Too late. It's going to happen. Although there'll there'll be things in between. There always Mm are. Um, Like somebody's adventure campaign. Anyways. um, Hey. So. (laughs) What? 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 (laughs) Actually, there's there's somebody else on this podcast who listens on occasion who needs to get their campaign rolling, but I'm not going to knock on them because they really need to get it moved and find another house um oh. so yeah yeah you know who i'm talking about <laughs> he's been writing things for years uh-huh yeah and a different one of our listeners has been harking on him and i haven't done my part in telling him to hey when's your when's your game still uh, you still, uh, still running a game so, so, get, so you're get, gonna do, 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 do a little writing do a little writing do a little writing <laughs> getting those getting those rules done getting those uh, uh writing up some npcs there yeah, or... yeah 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 so Here's my question to you. Okay. Since you wrote it down. <laughs> since I wrote it. Since you wrote it down. <laughs> what did this change or what did this influence in writing your story? The story itself? Oh, yeah. Um Did you write <sighs> did you write more? Or did you write less? Let's start there. Okay, well, well from just from a writing standpoint, like how I was writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned you use Google Docs a lot for your, oh, yeah. uh, for your, for your record keeping. Um, I have mentioned before I keep, uh, keep mine in Evernote and I gotta say uh, after a little bit, I stopped writing in Evernote and actually doing all of my game prep in Foundry. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Actually, I've got to translate back out of Foundry and put it back into Evernote okay. in case we ever get back to in-person gaming. Okay. Um, so that I mean that right there changed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I don't know. Like, I don't know that it necessarily changed much about how the the story is being told. Um, I think I feel better about um, using larger maps and environments for my encounters. Okay. Uh, like, before, I never really would have, like gone the whole way of like making the full dungeon mm-hmm. you know um typically what i've done for that in the past is uh we have a modular board uh with like one inch squares on it mm-hmm. that's essentially blank right and then my players um bring in uh we've got just two or three players that have scattered terrain up the wazoo oh yeah and so i'll ask them basically hey can you bring your interiors bin or can you bring right. your, out, your exterior bin you mm-hmm. know um, if we're going to have an indoor or an outdoor fight right. or yep. something like that. And then I will kind of on the fly, I'll just I'll call a five minute break. Everybody will use the restroom, get a snack or whatnot. And while they're doing that, I'll build the map dynamically, mm-hmm. um, out of the bits and scatter trains of that, put miniatures on it and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll come back and we'll commence whatever the, the, the fight scene is. Yeah. Um, I don't need to do that anymore. Mm-mm. I can literally map the entire dungeon, mm-hmm. so I don't have to describe anything to you. You can see exactly how big the room is. Mm-hmm. I can have animated light sources on it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's it's a little like having a whole lot of Dwarven Forge pieces at my yeah, disposal. I, I agree with that. Um, and so my, my game prep has changed a little bit in that... Um, I feel like I can I can lean into the visualization of my environments a lot more mm-hmm. and not have to go out of my way so much to describe like the interior of every room because I can just show you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's true. Okay, okay. I, uh, I, I would say that's that's probably the big that's probably the biggest change. Okay. Um, now though, when I when I when I kind of just have like role playing scenes built in that aren't going to devolve into combat and stuff like that, I've come to. Uh, uh, putting in establishing shots mm-hmm. so that you guys at least have a, 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 a background image that represents kind of where you are, what it might look like there um, at those particular role-playing beats. Um, and I never really used to do that before. Occasionally I'd have a picture of like, oh yeah, this is what the countryside looks like, but like never really, you know, the interior of the house or, you know, a ruined village or, you know, whatever. But it's kind of necessary now because otherwise you're literally just staring at a blank screen in Foundry and that's not fun. That's that's the whole thing in my head is is that I uh, I look at every session as what am I presenting while this is going on? What are my players going to be looking at to keep them engaged mm-hmm. with the story and with this? And I, I, I've learned something every session. Whether it be making sure that my uh, that I'm not over describing my terrain, I'm letting my terrain describe itself. If I've got a good scene for that, yep, yep. Whether it's I'm over describing because I don't have good visuals mm-hmm. to be able to present, or I'm over describing because I didn't give them text, I didn't mm-hmm. give them something to read because my players need that as well. And Every time I'm stepping through that and discovering those things, or I'm giving too much and I need to pause more. I need to change my pacing because I do think that digital gaming creates a different pace. I think than so. Than a table, a yeah. table game. The excitement levels of when to pace, but it also reminded me that that table games pacing is not scene dependent either. Is not uh, act dependent either. Mm-hmm. It's scene dependent. It's mo- moment dependent, and you need to pause when you pause. Yeah, it. I've learned that more now than I ever had because my butt hurts after a while. That's swamp yeah. butt is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> and you you have to recognize that you can, if you're personally playing a game, like you're just you know doing your own RPG or even running around an MMO, you can lose track of time fast. But the content's constantly coming at you. As a storyteller, you've got to learn when to pause. Mm-hmm. And and when to take those breaks and when to help people get up off of their butts and, you know, or just shift around or grab a drink or get away from the screen for a couple seconds and then come back to it. Yeah, yeah. 15-minute breaks make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Because the last thing you want is your players to walk away in the middle of a scene. It's one thing if you're all at a table and you can see the person leave, and sometimes they can hear things from the bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a whole other thing when you're digital and you don't know you lost somebody. Yep. And that that's just 
it it, it throws everything off at that point. Yeah. Because yeah, you can't yeah. quite be angry because the person was hungry or needed to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, you know, I, I know we, we've, at least in our, in our games, we've been pretty good about, like, drop a, drop a message real quick into, you yeah. know, the chat window or something like that on Foundry and just say mm-hmm. AFK for a second. But, yep. Um, you know, sometimes you don't always see that, especially yeah. if you're, you know, you're, you're busy storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, you're not looking at all these little things like little, the little chat window in the corner No, that says AFK in 10 point text, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of easy to lose track of your players that way. What you got? <laughs> Knox, Knox in the live chat says, uh, I'm going down the Google search rabbit hole now, and I'm wondering if Rock'em Sock'em Robots can be a and d encounter. <laughs> I think it's 100% possible. I mean, I you guess, could... I guess it depends on what you mean if, if, if it can be a and d encounter. Like, are you talking about your players playing Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Or are you talking about just two characters hitting each other until one of them falls? I think both of those are very possible things. Um... Or like the mechanic of the Jenga Tower. Oh yeah, all those things are one hundred percent legitimate. You can you can make anything work. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, it's a matter of creativity and connectivity. I mean, th- the rules in the game systems are just suggestions. Yeah, I've seen some really inventive ways of adjudicating things that fall outside of the system. And uh, yeah, I mean, Rock'em Sock'em Robots is one way of doing it. I'm not sure it's one I would ever reach for, but I'll tell you what. If you plopped a Rock'em Sock'em Robots on the table and said, okay, you guys fight it out, I'd be laughing the whole time. Oh, yeah. I it'd think be, it's great. It'd be funny. It'd be funny. I think that'd actually be quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. I know that some of the stuff that I, I found challenging at times was the side conversations are much more distracting in digital than it was ever at the table. Even though it was at the table, it was hard. Now you've got two people literally controlling all audio. Yeah, that's the, yeah, cuz we we do our audio over Discord. Yep. Um so now when somebody's having a side conversation, yeah, it's it's loud and proud. It's right out there. Yeah, and it's hard to cut that off. You can't just like whisper between yourselves over on the side. Yeah. You, you could chat, like text chat or something like that, but at the same time like if they're in a conver- if you've got two players who are in a conversation maybe between scenes that goes from in character to out of character to you know complete meta to nothing like mm. they're just talking about some side piece you've got to figure out how to wrangle that and cut them off in such a way that you're not just discouraging creativity yeah i well i mean i i think i think the the, the main thing there is to keep an eye on uh on the conversation and i mean if it, if it's an in-character conversation okay sure that's fine let it go yeah. it's it's yep. a scene 100 percent. it's a scene but once it starts straying into like out of character just banter and especially if it's like, not even related to game anymore uh-huh. that's when as a storyteller you kind of got it but you're like all right, all right guys let's let's get back on yeah. track we got some ground to cover here yeah. so i also think that sometimes because we use we do use discord for both voice and text mm-hmm. and some sometimes the auto game channel or the non non-play channel full of memes and things like that can sometimes get out of hand as well it can get a little out of hand but it I, like it i consider it the lesser of two evils right i consider that, that like sharing sharing memes in a text channel while the while the scene continues yes un, undeterred in yes. the voice channel yeah far as i'm concerned let that stuff go yeah you, you can you can have your little side chuckle about it it because i think there's a happy medium no you know? I, I, I mean i agree i look, agree we, we we as storytellers obviously want to get through our content right we wrote this stuff we want everybody to experience the game and stuff like that but you can't lose sight of the fact that like some table chatter's got to occur well it's still a social we're, event we're, yeah we're all friends just getting together having a giggle you yeah. know yep. yep and and yeah, so you know, let, let us let us share memes. You know, yeah, no, no, I think it's fine. I think it's fine, but again, I think it can get out of hand. It 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 can. I don't think it has. No, I don't no. think it has. No. I don't, it, not not at least to a degree I've ever felt I've needed to say something. Right. Well, it, it, the only thing I ever have to monitor is when a player goes, "What's going on?" And you're like, "Dude, it's your turn. You've you've sent like five memes. It's that's, your turn." Yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah. Well, what's going on? Uh, you weren't listening at all. Um, hmm. Were you looking at me? Or were you looking at the woman in on Meme Generator? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Look again. <laughs> um, the other thing was, uh, do you think that uh, sessions have gotten longer digitally than they were in person? 
part of me wants to say yes. Um, I but, think, but part of, but part of, I, I, I don't think so, but I think for different, I think they're long for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, like when we play in, in person, um, you know, because there, there is a lot of like, we're, we're all there mm-hmm. and a lot of us haven't seen each other in a while, mm-hmm. uh, cause we don't see each other in person very often. Um, and so there is a lot of like just side chatter and, oh, here, let me show you this thing on my phone. No, here, let me show you this thing on my laptop. And, oh, here, let me show you this craft that I made or whatever. And a lot of, a lot of show and tell sort of things going on between each other. Side conversations. Um, people can meander off together and mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going to go get some snacks over here on the other side of the kitchen. And then we're just a side conversation that just strikes up there and stuff. Right. And so there's a lot of distractions when you're playing in person. Mm-hmm. That aren't there when you're playing digitally, because if someone is having a cyber conversation, like we just said, it monopolizes the entire voice channel, and it's very easy for people to just kind of be like, "Okay, guys, this isn't related. Let's let's get going." Right. Yeah. Or they really have to make an effort to text outside of it. But all the time that you gain on not having all of the in-person distractions mm-hmm. gets lost in technical issues. I don't think just technical issues. I think there's a few things. I, I agree with the technical aspect. I think that happens a lot. I mean, of, of like, okay, hold on a second. Let me just put this up. Hold on a second. Foundry's doing a weird thing. Hold on a second. Let me try to find it on D&D. Hold I, on a second. My role's not working. My I'm role's clicking not working. on this. Yeah. How's it? Okay, well, let's try and fix this thing, you know. Where, where, where do I click? What do, exactly. what do I do? Oh, you know. Yeah. What did just when solved? I, I can't click this. I can't just... drag this right now. You know? Right, 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 right. So we've had so many of those issues, I think, that take the time that, that would have been spent. To, yeah. I don't think the game sessions are any longer. I just think we're wasting time in different ways. Yeah. And I, I, I think also, uh, to, to put it in that direction, I would also say that the breaks make it feel different. Mm-hmm. Because you literally are doing forced 15-minute breaks, where is before you could just get up and stretch. Yeah. You know, if it was a good scene, people would just keep chunking through. You'd be like, okay, we're about to get in this combat scene. Do you guys want to grab some food real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But can we get right back into it? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Now it's like, dude, I got to order food or I got to go make something. And, you know, nobody brought snacks, mm-hmm. you know, or people didn't plan for that. Or maybe they didn't eat before the session started because they were trying, you were know, having to get something fixed. So, so many more things kind of affect that. But I think they're longer in an emotional sense, in also- a physical sense. It's different because you don't have the same energy in the room. You're no longer sitting with people having a conversation. The engagement is physically different. And so now when you're when you're when you're getting near that four or five hour mark of sitting at a desk with a headset on, squeezing your head, staring at a flat screen, mm-hmm. uh, imagining hard, really hard. It's a yeah. It's, tight. It's, it's draining. It's, it's draining. It feels longer than it, it really is. It does yeah. I mean, you're using. I would have to say, in some ways, more energy to try and keep it going. Because you're restraining yourself in some ways. You're 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 putting your focus harder in other ways. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly disagree with you. Okay. But um. But only only slightly. Okay. Uh, I I think I am just as tired uh, doing it digitally as I do in person, but for different reasons. As a player or as a storyteller? As a storyteller. I'm talking as a player. Oh, as a player. Yeah, as a player, it's exhausting. Because I always get that from my players, is that they're tired. At the end, they are tired. Yeah. And they need to get away from it. Yeah, you're right. I think when you're playing in person, you've got a lot more freedom to kind of st- get up but still be involved. Yeah. Whereas when you're mired to your computer, you're, you're mired to your computer. But I think as know. a storyteller, the engagement is very similar. It's it's similar. I, I find I find that I'm 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 exhausted in different ways. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, when playing digitally, I get that same attention tired of sedent, you know, of being sedentary for, you know, 6 mm-hmm. to 8 hours. Um, that I do when I'm a player, but, uh, storytelling in person, I think because I'm a, I'm a more physical storyteller. Um, I generally, you know, a lot of miniatures, a lot of terrain, um, a lot of, uh, I like to kind of physically embody my NPCs. So I'll Mm -hmm. I'll throw a little body language into them and stuff like that. Um, there have been in, in person sessions. I literally hurt physically after. 
just because my my posture and the amount of activity I've been doing and stuff like that, it's you know it's it's a little it's a little bit like a small workout you know for yeah. me. Yeah. No, and, I feel it. I feel it. Uh. So, but but like so so like I said, it's tired, but in different ways. Yeah. In person, it's tired because I worked too hard. In 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 in, uh, in digital, it's because I didn't work enough, or because I'm not moving enough. You know. Agree. Agree. Ah. Oh. So. Other than the p- other people, what do you miss most about in-person gaming? I I I do miss the miniatures. I think um, putting together, you know, pa- painting new minis and uh, building new terrain pieces and stuff like that um, was always kind of my special treat to you guys. Mm-hmm. Of bringing that stuff in and not not really showing it off all that much, but then you know bringing it in and just the dropping reveal. it on the table and the reveal, the prestige, the reveal. yeah, uh, was and watching the reactions on your guys' faces and uh, you know the, the couple times where I really really threw my back into it, yeah, and uh, watching you guys like literally want to stop play because you want to take photographs of the things that I dropped out there, um, that's probably the biggest thing. Okay. And I don't get as many Sour Patch Kids now. No, you don't. You don't. They do exist, and you could be getting them. I could be. What about you? What would you? What do you? What do you miss from other other than the people for in person gaming? Also, welcome to the live chat, Arcane Asylum. Yeah, good to see you. Um, I miss seeing. I miss feeling and seeing the excitement. Yeah. I'm. I miss. Making a reveal as a storyteller or opening a scene and watching the tables wonder and joy and excitement. I miss seeing the joy of a failure or a success on a die mm-hmm. and and the encouragement between players when someone's struggling with like something and they're like, oh, you could do this too. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that little bit of meta that pulls things back together. Yeah, yeah. It's an energy that is lost. And I'll digital. say I'll say from from a player standpoint, I miss being able to emote. Yes. I hate having to like nobody can see me cuz we don't we don't play with webcams. Um I, I I think most because people just don't want the overhead of like having to get, you know, cleaned up. <laughs> like we all kind of like being able to game in our pajamas. Um but uh, uh also I I just don't have a good webcam and I haven't been doing Zoom meetings or anything like that for work so I haven't needed one. Mm-hmm. Um but like not being able to see other people and other people not being able to see me when like Memnon says something, you know, uh pompous. Yeah. And you know Ravana being able to give him give him the look of like oh god you get the load of this guy, you know, mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. sort of stuff that you 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 miss those subtle moments in role play when yeah. you're when you're going digital, especially yeah. if you don't have the cameras. Yeah, when I when I saw this, I was thinking of all of the little things, and the biggest one is that seeing that wonder, seeing it hit that hit hit the table, mm-hmm. be it any number of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just different. It's very different. So, all right, so. The big question. Mm-hmm. Um, once we are able to get back in person again, uh, are you still going to consider digital gaming an option? Um, for instance, like if someone, you know, we like when we live in Michigan, if there's a horrific snow day or something like that, you know, it, it drops twelve inches of snow on us on our on our game day. Are you going to turn around and say, "Let me give me fifteen minutes. Let me whip something up in Foundry." One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I am still going to keep my stuff uh, in Foundry. I will probably run my encounters for the most part in in D and D Beyond, like I have been, mm-hmm. and and adapt them into Foundry for notes and things. Um, yeah, I'm I'm still going to keep the digital as an option. I'm just going to have to change the way I use it. I I may, as I said, like it's going to be hard for me with finishing up my current campaign. Mm-hmm. But it makes me very much want to lean into something like Anvil so that it's available to everybody, um, both in and out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think having a a digital board. Um, and eventually having a you know a sunken screen or something like that as an option on a table is always a great idea. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So um, that, and I think that, that that's a that's a great thing actually. Kind of kind of segues us into our into our questions. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Let's do it. Because uh, one of our questions, let me see if I can find it here. Um, uh, Who are you thinking? I think it's I think it's Overwatch's question. Sure. Well, let's hit it anyways. Uh, or were you thinking, Matt, elsewhere, how do you envision integrating tools which have been fun and effective in-person game sessions when we do get those? Like integrating our the tools that we've learned into in-game sessions. Yeah, That's, yeah. I, I think I, what I, I Matt think Elf was yeah, so, so the Matt Elf is asking, yeah, how, how do you envision integrating the tools which have been fun and effective to in-person game sessions when... Uh, when we can do uh, it again. When we can do those again. Um, yeah. And I think that was that was the first thing that leapt to mind when I read this question was um, embedded tv kind of thing yeah and sean like even long before 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 oh, yeah. COVID hit sean has like anytime we see gigantic flat screen tv sean like kind of low-key leans over to me is like man i want to make like one of those virtual tabletop things mm-hmm. out of that like man we got to build one of those digital tabletop be- uh, yep. uh, tables and so what we're talking about for those of you who do who aren't familiar with the concept is um you take a large flat screen tv mm-hmm. and you embed it into a tabletop so, so that the, the screen surface. is the tabletop. Yeah, right? or you got a piece of plexi over the top well, or something. Yeah, yeah, you, you put you put a piece of plexi over the top so you're not damaging the screen, right? Because right. it's not meant to have things set on it. Right. But one way or another, though, the, the tabletop itself is the screen. Yep. Right. And um, you then run some sort of virtual tabletop software off of it. So instead of having to make physical maps with physical miniature terrain and physical miniatures. Mm hmm. Um, or maybe you have the physical miniatures, but mm-hmm. you use the terrain itself or the, the, the screen itself as your terrain. Yep. And things that I've seen done with this is like you can have animated terrain. Mm-hmm. So like you can have a river that's legitimately flowing. Yes. You can have clouds going over by, yep. you know, rain. Shadows. Rain and shadows and stuff of like that falling on Lightning there. Lightning striking. Yeah. yeah. The, the snow wafting through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool. There was a uh, there's there was a, a test that a guy was doing with an, the Unreal Engine where uh, they had linked the models mm-hmm. so that when you put a model down and you moved it, it would leave footprints in the snow or in the mud. Oh no way! When the wind blew, it blew around, and you saw the wisps. No way! When it was raining, you could see you know, the muddy footprints of the person. Oh, it's so cool! And uh, they would leave wet footprints moving into a building. Like it was, it was neat concept because it was just doing piece tracking. Yeah, and I thought that was really, really cool. Just unbelievable. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I know piece tracking is a, is a thing you can do where, mm-hmm. where it'll 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 detect when something has been set on yeah. it. Yeah, and, and react to it exactly. And it it works with a like a shadow system because mm-hmm. it actually projects up into the surface and looks for the shadow of the 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 piece. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which, I, again, when you look through the technicalities of it, mm-hmm. it's really not that hard. No, I got to wonder, too, like, if you if you are doing the, the whole virtual tabletop thing like that, mm-hmm. um, if that then also, I mean, presumably would allow you to still run your game digitally. Mm-hmm. So you could have, like, four people playing in person and maybe, like, a fifth who couldn't make it that day because mm-hmm. their car broke down or something. Yep. Wired in digitally and still participating 100% in your game. Yeah, you'd, you'd have some audio issues, I think, at some level. Probably, yeah. Um, but I think overall, it's not too bad. I did see one game session where uh, the person could not play, and mm-hmm. what he ended up doing was giving everyone mono earpieces. Oh, interesting. To a common Discord. So they could hear the other player. Everyone could clearly hear that person when they talk. Interesting. And I, and they just had a common mic in the middle of the table oh, that was great. ambient. And that way, you know, when conversation was going on, he could hear. And when he wasn't, they, they could hear him clearly when he played. And I thought that was a great way to handle it. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think there are going to be things that I'll be carrying over. 100%. So Knox, Knox asks, um, do you think you might tailor future sessions to encourage the parts of the physical games that you missed the most? Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think my miniature game is going to come out of the, come out of the booth. Uh, it's gonna, I'm, I'm, yeah, you guys are going to get some neat miniatures once we start playing in the game. I, I just don't know when that's going to be, so I don't know where in my story I'm going to be, so I can't yeah. really start building things yet. I, I already know that, I knew that my end scenes for my game were not going to be digital. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you guys were never it was going to be months before you got to that and i literally have stl files that i'm i've been trying to get printed properly oh so that my bosses and end game stuff is available to oh, you guys that. and that i might actually get it printed or printed and painted before then mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. my hardest point um so I'm going to hit Overwatch's question because okay, we're, okay. we're, we're about 10 minutes out. Yep. Uh, digital gaming has bloomed over the pandemic. In its various forms and incarnations, uh, when the world opens back up, what will you take from the digital game back to the tabletops? What aspects would you leave behind forever uh, if you had your druthers? Uh, as far as what taking it back to my tabletop, um, I think my game prep, um, since I, I, I've had to be a lot more prepared because, as we discussed earlier, you can't just you know grab stuff quite as easily and import it. Yeah, it takes a little effort, and you gotta you gotta depend on a couple plugins to be working correctly. Um, so I think my game prep um has stepped up a notch, and that's definitely something I'm gonna be taking back to uh, to my tabletop. Um, I don't know. Other than that, though, I mean, I don't know that I don't know that my game style has changed terribly much between here and there. Um, so I don't know that there's something I'm really taking back all that much. I'll be taking back my pacing, mm-hmm. the change in pace that I have, and the concept that a stop can happen wherever. Yeah, and that's not something that I would have done before. Mm-hmm. I would have been very hard about where I wanted visually things to stop. Or, or emotionally, or or story-wise, and making sure that I squeezed in the information so that when we were done, we were done with this scene. Mm-hmm. That's not as important to me anymore. Good, 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 good. Um, just general breaking is going to be something I will definitely bring back. But I think one of the biggest things is uh, that I, I won't be carrying forward um, is uh, technical failures. I am going to make things. <laughs> we're we are going to leave all the plugin errors mm-hmm. and mismatches and oh, I can't import this. Yep. I didn't import correctly. We're going to leave that all behind. I'm gonna I'm going to prep to move us properly forward. Yep. So. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, that, it, that's it, what I would say. It will be nice just to be able to pull out the monster manual again and just be like, "This is what you're fighting." Yeah. And that's it. I, and I'm going to go much simpler. Yep. That's that the hardest thing. Not necessarily simple in the sense that I'm going to use less things, mm-hmm. but I'm going to simplify it and really coordinate with my players better mm-hmm. with who I have and what their needs are. Good, good, good. good. So you want to hit Knox's question? Yeah. Uh, Knox asks, uh, with digital gaming now bringing new life to old classics and also new faces to the hobby, do you find yourself trying to renew your own old favorites in this fairly new digital medium? What about differently tactile games like Dread and its Jenga Tower? Are there digital substitutes for gaming concepts like this? Um, I don't know that I've seen digital Dread. I I presume Tabletop Simulator has a Jenga simulator. It probably is terrible. It's probably terrible. Um, probably very unreliable, and your players will be dying left and right since that's the mechanic. Um... But I think you could. I think you could, yeah. I mean, there have been there have been a number of things that fill the Jenga like design. I remember a game called Ice Block, mm-hmm. where you would tap out the ice blocks. Don't break the ice is what it's yes. called. Don't break the ice. Yes, and I think that fulfills some of that fear in some ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you could. I think you could do, basically do that. That could be interesting. Mm-hmm. That could be really interesting, actually. That's a great idea. Because mm-hmm. I think it does have very, very similar, like, every time you lose a block, everything becomes more unstable. And that's all you need for Dread. Yep. yep. It needs you just, to... You just need every single block to, A, have a chance of failure, mm-hmm. a critical failure, mm-hmm. and, B, to make the entire rest of it unstable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could, you could do math like that. Mm-hmm. A lot easier than trying to tap out a physical tower that is tall and deal with the forces and frictions and things like that and trying to, to master that. Cause that's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But you could do it with a, a mapped piece that has blocks in it and make them look any number of ways. Yeah. That's, that's, that's got me thinking. So, um, one of my old favorites in this digital medium. I don't know that I am looking at any of my old favorites. Like I think story wise, I have looked at some, we, I, I know I, I looked a little bit at Palladium, mm-hmm. and then I was like, eh, 
But you looked back at Adventure and Aeon with the new stuff. Oh, especially that, yeah. Savage World you looked at heavily. Uh, well, Savage, Savage World is a new favorite, not an old favorite. But you looked at it as a system to look back at your Stargate concept. Uh, yes, yes. So I think they're... I Sh- think Sean's Stargate concept, to be, to be fair, but yes. Uh, but I would, I would say that they're... I think less the digital, more our show <laughs> has given us time to pause and rethink during this time. No, what I, what I will say mm. is that um, as we've gone through different systems, especially doing the system spotlight has oh, been yeah. um, just as much of an introduction to new systems for us as it has been for you guys, our listeners. Um. I would say the first question out of my mouth whenever we look at a new system is, is there a Foundry plugin for this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, like, so we were we were happy to learn that, like, Legend of the Five Rings 4th Edition has one, you know, or 5th Edition uh, uh, Legend of the Five Rings has one. Um, right as we were doing our Savage Worlds one, Savage Worlds released, uh, Pinnacle Entertainment um, re- released their own official um, Savage Worlds Foundry plugin. Um, and so, like... There is a growing library of games you can do online, and I think that's opening the field a lot more, because I think that's your that's your major hurdle right now. But at the same time, though, I know that um, we 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 started the the podcast by talking about Roll Twenty. Uh, I know Roll Twenty has an absolutely expansive list of games that are more or less programmed into their into their system that they've got ready to go sheets for and stuff like that. Um. Like even even stuff like uh um why am I not able to remember the name of the game um the apocalypse world game set in uh, contemporary fantasy oh yes my brain is lost but I'm with you yeah I'm with you yeah today is not the day for us to try and recall everything oh my god no I'm so brain dead right now it's work, all right work has been hell um yeah I I took last week off as vacation and I'm never doing that again because I'm the only person who does my job yeah. No, but I, I, I definitely think there have been more from just our show than from the digital mm-hmm. time. Although there's been some great stuff that has come out during this time, like the new Ravenloft stuff. Yeah, yeah, has been yeah. A, a great kind of throwback in its own right. Uh-huh. But uh, we've seen a lot of game producers produce some amazing pieces. Um, City of Mist yeah. we learned about. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's things like that that give me hope and ideas urban shadows urban shadows was the other one thank yep. you yep so so yeah i i definitely think that um we should uh we, we should be doing more mm-hmm. it's just a matter of how yeah yeah so. absolutely so all right uh next uh next week's topic um I, we we've, we've spoken about this topic before but we kind of wanted to kind of circle around back to it and revisit it it feels especially uh poignant to me right now because of where my own mental state is but mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about uh storyteller and uh like gm burnout yeah uh, when you just feel like not getting back behind the screen because you're just you're just done so yeah i think we're all we've all hit that point but i think the pandemic has exposed it more well, all of us are a little, like, raw from the pandemic. I always you know? say, like, normally on a normal day-to-day basis, you already start at, like, level three of, of stress. Like, there's uh-huh. some stuff going on. Sometimes you're less than that if you're on vacation or something. I think the pandemic started us at a seven look, it's, every it's, day. Look, like it or not, it is that we are we are all collectively experiencing a traumatic thing yes. right now. Um, and so it's, yeah, yeah, it, it's taxing. It's taxing. Whether you're not, whether you're personally experiencing it directly or not, you know. I agree. I think I think we can definitely handle burnout a little differently. And so, like, so. I was able to finish the current chapter of my game, and then I was just kind of like, oh, God, I gotta keep going. Well, so. you can find us on Twitter <laughs> at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave, and MixLR, like you might be listening right now, at MixLR.com slash Storyteller Conclave dash, or Storyteller dash Conclave, my bad. Um, you can find our Discord link in our Twitter uh, or on our website at StorytellerConclave.com. I want to give a big uh, shout out and thank you to all of our Patreon members, especially Knox in the Box, Sam, Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Vedran, and Hulavu. Thank, thank you for you. supporting the show week uh, month after month. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that on uh, Patreon.com slash Arcane Anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.weebly.com. 
Um, and our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. We'd like to thank our families. Vicky, Sean, thank you so much for supporting us on the show for the last hundred episodes. All of our friends who help us with our games, keep us going, and uh, make us smile when we're able to uh, see and listen to each other. And you, especially our listeners, for keeping us with this every time we get down it gets us through this week. We love you so much. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night.